episode 16 of Pick and Pod. This is WFUV's basketball podcast, giving you everything you need when it comes to the National Basketball Association. I am Andrew Posadas and be pleased to be joined. It is his debut to Pick and Pod. He's done a lot of editing, shadowing, but it's time to get his shot to shine. That would be one Chris Persiainen is actually the correct pronunciation. Chris, uh, I'm sorry. I know we just spoke about this too, but you know, I got to get it right. I got it right the second time though, but bro, welcome to your first ever pick and pod. Thank you very much. It's, it's a, it's my honor to be here on the show. I, I, I can't wait to talk hoops and, uh, just get it just get into everything all-star game the the signing that went down there's there's a lot there's a lot to there's a lot to break down Andrew I'm ready a lot to get into Chris as Chris just mentioned we'll get into that big signing Blake Griffin going to Brooklyn talk about what that does for the Nets moving forward in the second half of the season we'll also look at that other team in New York the New York Knicks they're still in the playoff hunt Chris and I will talk about what the Knicks' chances are with that second-half schedule being as tough as it is, can the Knicks hold on and get one of those eighth playoff spots in the East? But first, let's get started with the All-Star. Not the weekend, but the All-Star night that was on Sunday as the NBA's best players went to Atlanta, originally scheduled to be in Indianapolis, but with the pandemic, moved to Atlanta to make it easier for Turner, who was the main broadcaster of the festivities. And Chris, COVID, you know, that has been the main thing, the pandemic. It it reared its ugly head early on, the huge news. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, they're out due to contact tracing with a barber of theirs who came with an inconclusive test, then positive. We also had injuries. KD, one of the captains, out with a left hamstring strain. We're also missing Anthony Davis. Devin Booker was not there. And the game itself, I mean, Team LeBron, that that starting five of him – Steph, Luka, Giannis, and the Joker. And then to have Damian Lillard come off the bench, uh, I'm sure Kevin Durant was happy he didn't have to be a part of that because that was an absolute mauling. Team LeBron wins 170 to 150. And Giannis, MVP, 35 points, perfect, 16 of 16. But the big story, Chris, has to be the shooting display, just the – just – the unmitigated gall, as Stephen A would say, of Steph Curry and Dame Lillard, they were unconscious. I mean, Steph is shooting from Peachtree City. Dame says, all right, let me shoot from Buford. These guys were out of control last night. The guards, the, the small guards <laughs> putting on a show for the, the not, not, not the fans, the, uh, the onlooking fans via their television, our television screens. You're right, man. Steph and Dame did, in my opinion, what best embodies the the modern spirit of the All-Star game, and, and that's to put on a three-point show. Um, of course, NBA Twitter, I, I saw a side of it that had the take. There was only one mid-range shot made the entire All-Star game. Like, what has basketball become? And my response is why are you watching the all-star game look looking for like Nikola Vucevic mid-range jumpers I, I don't know like I love Vucci Maine but I can't I, that's not why I'm tuning in the way we that's didn't not, tune in for that my eyes are not on the screen for that reason I want to see Steph and Dame launch half-court shots I want to see LeBron and Steph take the court as teammates 
for once. How about that? That was something, in, in my opinion, uh, to see the two guys from Akron, of course. And, you know, for me, it was pretty cool to see uh, my guy number 30 out there for the blue team, you know, representing New York. Finally, Knicks have an all-star again after yes. a couple of years. And as a never going to hide it as a Nick fan, I am I'm quite proud about it. Quite, quite glad. Just just happy to see Jew out there. So it was it was a fun all-star game overall. Um, I have to say, though. It, it is slightly tough um, watching the game. And, and I know the guys are having fun sharing the court out there. But just knowing that the players kind of didn't want to be there, uh, they kind of wanted to just go home. And, and with how many games they've been playing, I get it. You know, and to see something, you know, at the Super Bowl with the Barber and now yeah. at the All-Star game with the Barber. Uh, to happen like that, again, um, I, I get it. But, you know it was made clear early on that an all-star game was going to be happening reasons for which varying answers, but it was going to happen. And I think we, we got an all-star game that, as I said, embodies the modern spirit of, of fun, right? Like Curry broke quote unquote the game in that way. And and we just see it now uh, you come out in ways like this. It, it was a fun game. And the, the other events were, were a blast as well, in my opinion. So I had, I had a fun time. Yeah, you bring up a great point uh, w- with everything happening and bringing players for the All-Star game, something that a majority of players really weren't all on board with. Uh, I think Bradley Beal said it best. It's in the CBA. I think that's what it came down to fundamentally between the owners and, and the players. And at the end of the day, you kind of have to make do with the circumstances, but with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons having to sit out, thankfully for them, they didn't make it there to be in the locker room. And obviously what imagine what that would have been the reaction had they potentially tested positive. They've since tested negative and they should be on track to come back for the start of the second half of the season. But it had one of them had it gone to their respective locker room and and then it spreads wildfire with the best players. And now multiple teams are involved, Chris, it it would have been an absolute chaos and Adam Silver would have had catastrophic for the NBA. It would have been rough, but, but either way, I think the fact that everyone was able to get through it clear, I think that's the most important thing because when they said they were going to donate $3 million to, to HBCUs and to COVID-19 relief funds, Chris, I thought to myself, you can do that without anybody dribbling a basketball, without anybody having to come to one city and partake in, in a one night only, you know, festivity. Players can still get those. I know Julius Randle's getting a $935,000 pay raise for yep. being named as an all-star. He could have still gotten that <laughs> without <laughs> needing to dribble a ball. You could have done all those things uh, without the game. I get what you're saying. Yeah, so it, it could have been avoided. Sure, you could have named all-stars, given teams, and then you know clean your hands of it, give guys those five days and go from there. That's just the way it is. Players came. They did what they had to do. And LeBron himself took advantage, only played 13 minutes, kind of resting his body, letting the team that he drafted where KD, uh, you know, God, I love KD. KD KD drafted that team and got out of there. (laughs) Yeah, KD understood he wasn't going to be down there. You know, like Magic Johnson said, I I ain't going to be here. He wasn't going to be down there to see Team LeBron just absolutely maul them. 
And, and that was just a glorified pickup game. But but Damon Steph, well, that's what it is every year. It is a glorified pickup game. It's fun though. Last year was last year was very competitive though. I think that's with this new format. We got some Elam ending. We got an edge to it. But this season, but this year, I think it was just the way KD, when you have to pick your own guys and Kyrie and James at, at the times that he did with the first pick and each part of that draft, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball, but KD had no choice. Those are his guys. You, you got to rep for the Nets and it is what it is. And LeBron was just able to pick, pick. And it, I'm sure people who want to fight LeBron against MJ are saying, now look at this. LeBron James, 4-0 as an all-star captain, GM. Uh, so uh, oh, for man. the LeBron. Uh, as, for- as a LeBron fan <laughs> and as someone who thinks LeBron is the best, not the greatest, the best to mm. touch a basketball court. Uh, I think that's a stretch. There you go. But, but, you know, Twitter goes on fire when they see this ammo. They'll use it. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I, I got to say, I would have been curious. There's always the what ifs. The sports, sports will forever generate some of the world's most fascinating what ifs, in, in my opinion. This is a minor one, but I would have loved uh, to have seen what would have happened if KD had not taken Kyrie and and let like let Kyrie be on the board while LeBron James was making his selections. I thought that would have been. I was exciting it to see what 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 might happen there but no no drama <laughs> well let's talk about the other festivities part of this all-star night when we think of before the game the skills challenge the big men continue to dominate the last what was it four out of the last five years a big has won it uh demontis sabonis able to get some revenge last year he lost to bam at a bio he beats vucevic in the finals of that, the three-point contest, which, Chris, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think this is the prime time event now. The way the game has evolved, the three-point shot is the prettiest shot to watch in basketball. It's no longer the dunk, and I think that's because it's become a bit banal because we've seen everything. You've kind of seen every dunk, and the dunks we don't see, like uh, you remember Turner, TNT had that dunk contest, what was it, last year or not too far ago, where they just had a huge dunk contest with guys from oh, around the country, yeah, like that yeah. guy Kill Gannon, the guy who's like a, a sensation. Jordan, Jordan, yeah, yeah. So those are guys who, you know, they train and that's all they do are these specialty dunks. That's what they're built for. That's where they get their money. These NBA players, they aren't practicing those type of dunks. You know, there's some warm-up layup line type of dunks that you get off, but you're not going in practice thinking, all right, let me reinvent the wheel here when it comes to the dunks. I get what you're saying. So because the the premier dunks that, you know, we see on Instagram or, or wherever – are no longer being are no longer have to be performed yeah. by the game's top athletes like Jordan. The, and think uh, about the three point contest becomes the more, you know, the, the event with a little more glitter on it. I, I get what you mean. Especially when Steph is there and then Steph, his first round, he goes for oh, 31. Man. I mean, that's rid- I mean, people <laughs> used to think that if you got to 20, like, all right, that is great right there in itself. And Steph is getting all right. Let me start off with a quick 31 on you. Well, now they put in those three, those three bombs, too. And those it's because are, of him. So- think about that. He that's how much he's meant to the game where he has changed that contest where they have to give you those two deep shots. I told you earlier, he broke it. He broke basketball. <laughs> I didn't say it was in a bad way, but he broke the game. 
and I, I guess he just came at the right time. The game was evolving this way from the interior out to the perimeter and, and Steph comes out of nowhere. And it's kind of like, all right, if this is the wave, I'm going to ride it. And he's been the best surfer out there without a doubt, the greatest shooter who ever lived. And I'm hoping next season for that next three point contest, we get clay back. Dame decides he want to be in it. And I think that could be a nice little trio there, a nice little triple threat match for that three point contest. But I know I you want Steph, Clay, Levine. Yeah, I Booker. need Devin Booker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we definitely Booker. need that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and let's hope we get that. But I know you want to talk, and I do too. And I just mentioned the dunk contest, and I did say that it has become banal. But to a sense, we did see some originality, some creativity from, from all three. I would say Cassius Stanley. I mean, he really just got that first dunk. That's a, that, I'm giving that a nine. But, you know, the greats up there on the panel just decided that it, it was mediocre. And I think Cassius Stanley, that just took him out from the jump. He was done after that, which kind of left us with Anthony Simons and our guy, Obi Toppin. And Simons, to his credit, Chris, he, he did come with, you know, he had the mini hoop grabbed it, went there, and then the final dunk, that kiss in the rim, you know, the proverbial kiss, that wasn't. But Obi... That, that one, the that last dunk was not for me. And, and then for Obi himself, he gets that first one off. And if Zach Levine doesn't do that on a warm-up line and somebody doesn't record that and put that all over social media, that first dunk from Obi, that, that's a social media breaker right there if Zach Levine doesn't do that in a layup line like a week ago. And then he jumps over Julius and his dad. And I don't care what anybody says about like pushing off with the offhand. I, I mean, at the end of the day, you still have to make it over stretch and still get that dunk off. He barely even pushed. Oh, God. Is that what the argument is? That, oh, that's man. what it is. And that my thing is you still have to get off the ground to get up that high to even put yourself in a position to go over two people. And then the final dunk, I will say that final dunk kind of left me wanting, Chris. I thought Obi might pull out something else, but he you should know, have switched the order. He should have done his in that's a different what, order. That first dunk should have been last. But just, you know, your thoughts on what you thought, because I know you think Obi should have came back to New York with a trophy. Yeah, I think Stanley's dunk was disappointing to me in the first round. I, I'm going to say that. I, I came in the event predicting Stanley to win. Uh, so naturally, he was eliminated first. Um, <laughs> Toppin and Simons, if those if those two are going to be in, in the finals, uh, which according to the gra- – I put out grades uh, on Twitter, which I now am going back to find so I don't misquote myself. According to my grades, I would have had the same finals as the judges, Simons and Toppin. The fact that those like it was the it was one dunk from each that decided it, and Obi did what he did. Obi's last dunk was not crazy. It wasn't. But Simon's wasn't. It's not like his was crazier. His was less crazy. No, if you would have <laughs> so, kissed the rim, so, I think you give him a fifty, right? If he actually kisses the rim, that's an automatic fifty. But the fact that he doesn't, I can't blame him though, because if you're going up with, with that explosive for a third, here's the thing: I'm of the opinion that. You grade dunks. You you gotta factor in a little bit what what round it is, right? Yeah. And if both guys pull off a dunk that is underwhelming for the round, I'm I'm just looking at what the better dunk is. Now one guy went near the rim, went close to kissing it, did not kiss it, yeah. and did what was an impressive to look at, but pretty straightforward dunk. And, and Obi Toppin. I, I even 
if Simons went, I, I'm going to go as far. I, I'm pissed now because now I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about how Obi Top <laughs> was robbed of the dunk contest trophy. I'm going to go as far to say that with the exact same dunks that they did, Simons doing what he did, not kissing the rim, Toppin doing what he did, same order. If Simons went first and then Toppin went and did his, they, they would have given the win to Obi. I, I think it's because Obi did what he did. People were underwhelmed. And then Simons also had an underwhelming dunk that people kind of sold themselves on because they wanted them to because they wanted to sell themselves on something. Oh well, if he had kissed the rim, it would have been cool. So this is the best ball. That's the thing, like, though. They gave that's the thing. It was just that, that, that originality. Like, oh, he almost kissed the rim. We've never seen anybody <laughs> almost kiss the rim. The, we got to call that the Danny Angel Award. The <laughs> yeah, almost the almost award. and. No, but Obi, though, I think the problem is you he jumped from just inside the free throw line, puts it through his legs. But Zach Levine is sitting right there. Zach Levine already done. That's what I'm talking about. We've seen that type of the that dunk doesn't do anything for us anymore. So I mean, I, I give kudos to Simons. He he had himself, he, he thought of some creative things, but it's not like he he didn't he didn't reestablish the dunk contest as a premier event, is what I'm saying. It's not like Anthony Simons, the dunks he did are everyone's like, oh, I can't wait to see what he does next year. Cause they were nice. They're cute. But but I think Obi to him, I think that last dunk, maybe he was more worried about actually getting it on the first try because you you don't get penalized for it, but you do. It, it doesn't show is blatantly it's not in the rules but but guys are going to penalize you and i think that's what kind of led obi to, to that third dunk where he played it safe and even though that's a great dunk that just goes to show you i, I was more exhilarated by that final round mike conley comes out and gets what 27 w- which is incredible and then steph is like all right i missed a few in that first track all right let me go off and let me get 28 i'll make the last one money ball cash out give me that trophy and then i'm gonna knock down eight threes in the all-star game <laughs> hurry chris think about the shooting he had to go through if he had shot two of eight from three in the all-star game i don't think anybody blames him but to come out and go 50 percent in that game I mean, Steph, a lot of people hold Steph to such a high standard and they're quick to bash him if he doesn't shoot a million of a million from beyond the arc. But nobody can say nothing. I love what Steph said where he said, I have nothing left to prove. I just have a lot left to accomplish. And he's definitely correct in that. You cannot put any slander on that man's name. I I don't know. I genuinely don't know. This is serious because it it, it was it's someone notable and I don't know. So I'm just prefacing this with that. Someone said. This is not an intentional forgetting. This is not like a sass. Someone said that that this season uh, involved Steph's legacy being on uh, a line. More specifically, the line. The hypothetical line. <laughs> As if, like, if Steph didn't have a great year this year, everything was just magically washed away down the drain. <laughs> um, but if he did then it all counts. So I, I, I think going into this year, Steph maybe had been hearing some of the claims made in regards to what he's accomplished as a player <laughs> and, and come out and said, well, I'm Steph freaking Curry. And, and here's, here is the proof. It is. I mean, he was just absolutely phenomenal. And again, it wasn't something that all players wanted to go to, but they made the best out of what we have here in our situation with the pandemic. And now guys have the next couple of days. uh, And for some teams, uh, a third or fourth day game start back on the 10th, only two games 
on the slate for that day. And speaking of the second half of the season, I want to get into both New York teams because, you know, it doesn't, it hasn't happened too often. It's rarely happened where both the Nets and the Knicks are still in the playoff hunt come April, uh, come March, excuse me, and going forward into April. And obviously in this season, going into May with the condensed schedule and the schedule being what it is this year and such an unprecedented season. But I want to start with the big news that came out during All-Star Night, and that was Blake Griffin. He decides to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. So the Nets bring him in. Think of him as the center for small ball options coming off the bench. And again, right now, the Nets currently stand at 24 and 13. They're a half game back of the Sixers. Chris, I don't think the Nets, the Nets certainly don't need Blake Griffin at this point. But if you can continue adding to your arsenal and getting a guy who's averaging 15, uh, what was it, 15, six and about four assists right now, a guy who hasn't, you know, who's been sitting down, he's fresh. If you're the Nets, you got to pull the trigger on that. And even though it doesn't address their size, it does give them another guy who's a playmaker, a good passer. And that only opens the space up for the countless weapons that the Nets already have. Yeah, my take on the the Blake Griffin signing is simple. Um, and, and that's to remove the name Blake Griffin from the player. Look at what Brooklyn's getting and you know, I'll give my actual opinion on it now, but my real general opinion is go look at the stats and then go look at the players Brooklyn's getting and, and then make your, your take. Don't, don't be like, Oh, well it's washed Blake Griffin. So it's not going to like, they're getting a player who is, and, and the stat, uh, no, almost a bit of misspeaking there to, to say just the stats, because I'm not going to lie, the stats are not beautiful. You're going to need a little nope. bit of tape, too. Um, <laughs> Blake Griffin, again, detach the name. It's a veteran big man who has some injury wear and tear, which yep. is why he's signing for the minimum, uh, who can shoot the basketball, who this season is making a very nice percentage of his wide open shots, which I'm sure a plethora of which will be created in that kind of offense. Exactly. He can pass the basketball. He can pass the basketball accurately. Mm -hmm. He knows NBA offenses as someone who's been a feature member of them for several years of his career. And he knows where he is on the court and he knows where other guys are on the court. He, he, he's not an idiot, right? Like, he, like this is just because he's washed, just because he was <laughs> overpaid does not mean that he's bad. Look what happened with Chris Paul, man. People made this mistake where a guy was getting overpaid and they thought it meant he was bad. Yeah. And teams, teams coughed him up for nothing. Now you got, you got, he's, he's older. He's several years older and he's getting traded for, for more than, than he might've been worth back a couple years ago. I, I just, Blake Griffin's going to help the Brooklyn Nets because you see almost every contending team assembled in a manner, anything close to like this one, go out and find big men that are ring chasers. They go out and find yeah. talented ring chasing big men to help them complete their roster. And that's exactly what this is. And just because Blake Griffin is a bigger name than David West, doesn't mean that you know that's that's not the kind of signing this is this is a margin move it's not something to freak out about but it's a move that's going to help the Brooklyn Nets I think a take saying otherwise is either undervaluing Griffin because of his uh, statistical appearance uh, without context 
you know, Detroit season has not been not been beautiful so far either. Uh, or and, and as a Nick fan, I underestimate the Nets a lot. So so it's strange to be on to be talking about being on the other end of this. But I think you're overestimating the Nets. People saying the Nets are too good. For Blake, like they don't need like like yeah. Why would you not want you, the? I mean, if, what's if the somebody, argument for <laughs> the rich are always going to take more money? If the rich can get richer, they will. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't see um uh, unless you are really out on him, you know, because availability is an attribute. Yeah. Um, unless you think that that you you are so confident that Blake Griffin's going to be hurt and a waste of time and money for the Brooklyn Nets, which I don't think anyone can or should be because uh, he's not going to be out there playing starter minutes. It's, it's like a freaking Taj Gibson signing, like throw him in for a couple. That's, <laughs> like, what, that's like, what I'm <laughs> thinking. He's coming off the bench. He isn't giving you 30 minutes a night. He's going to give you 15 Absolutely minutes. Absolutely not. Minutes. And he has rapport with DeAndre Jordan. I'm realizing, no, this is a great move. No, it, it, it's, I it, think it's it, costing it, them nothing. And, and Blake Griffin is the one losing money. He, he gave back $13 million. Exactly. He's now, giving whether, back money to get out. Now, whether these other guys or Sean Marks or whoever um, are, are utilizing the bottom side of the table he signed his contract on uh, to pass the rest of the funds over. And I, yeah, you, know, you can, you can have your fun speculating, but this for on, on paper, this is an incredible move for the nets. You, you have to go to the lengths of conspiracy theories to come <laughs> up with ways that this is somehow going to turn out negatively for them. I, I don't know how. No, that, that only makes the offense that much more lethal and another facet with a big who can just make things happen and, and can give you 10 assists in a game if need be. But I would say this. I also think the Nets doing this. I'm not saying they're out on somebody like Drummond or Whiteside because a lot of people think the Nets still need a, another rim protector. But I think it, it kind of says more to what they think about maybe Nick Claxton and what he can do. I think they're pretty high on him. So maybe they believe he can kind of fill that in without them having to take on any more money or take on another contract. So for the Nets, we'll see Blake Griffin's there and now a an absolutely star studded. It's just a who's who on the Brooklyn Nets at this point. And from what we're thinking, just a half game back of the Sixers, at some point the Nets are going to overtake them. And if Blake Griffin just continues to get this offense just the juggernaut that they are if he just adds to that this is a team that's probably going to run away in the second half of the season and they might finish averaging maybe 120 points per game it's ridiculous Chris well what offenses are doing right now and Blake Griffin now just gives you another tool in the arsenal to play with if you're Steve Nash I I have two takes to, to close on Brooklyn and that is or they are rather one Blake Griffin for the amount of money that the Brooklyn Nets are about to pay him for the rest of this year is better value than Andre Drummond for the amount of money you'd have to pay him uh, if you were trading for him. That's what it is. You know, Drummond can rebound and is athletic and can be, you know, a, a force in the paint, except then you look at the numbers and he finishes at the rate of a small guard in the paint. So it's like, what? What the hell's going on? I don't know. Maybe he's just not that good at basketball. We could, we could consider that uh, after all these years. But maybe he's just a center and not the center. Um, to to pay him twenty eight million dollars to find out, I'm good. Blake Griffin, <laughs> two million less. Ah, all in. Now, now we're talking. Number two, watch the three point count 
on Blake Griffin's stat, stat page on NBA.com. That that's that's where that's where the damage is going to be done. That dude's going to be knocking down threes. You're going to start seeing House of Highlights. Oh, the Brooklyn Nets turned Blake into a sniper. Like, no, you just weren't watching Detroit games, and I don't blame you. But you nope. weren't watching. Uh, you weren't watching it because Blake has been hitting his threes. He's adapted his game. Um, he knows he's older. He knows Father Time has a pretty decent track record, and he's figuring out ways to try and be effective without his explosive athleticism. I think, I just think that having Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant on the court with him potentially all at the same time Ugh. is not the world's worst way no. to create some space. <laughs> uh, and I would say one last thing before we close, I want to ask you this yes or no question, Blake, zero dunks through the first half. Over under Blake Griffin, does he get a dunk in the second half with the Nets? I'm going to say yes, he gets at least one because if, if DeAndre were not on the Nets, I'd say no dunks. But because he's going to be, he's going to want one. He, he's he's going to hype him up. I'm sure DJ's going to let him know. Like, he's going to want, get... he's going to want one open transition lob, no defenders in sight. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe throw me out on the court so he feels like he's still dunking over somebody. Get him some confidence back, but no, that's, let, I'll give Blake a dunk. If the over-under is 0.5, I'll take the over. God, I have to think he's going to catch a lob at some point, and the Nets still, and they might not be done yet. Sean Marks, uh, somebody who's not afraid to look in and see if he can continue adding pieces to potentially get that championship. Uh, a team not too far away in the borough of Manhattan that – haven't made any big splashes yet and probably shouldn't because of the fact that currently the New York Knicks stand at 19 and 18. They're fifth in the East, but Chris for this second half of the season, they had one of the easier schedules in the first half, but this second half is going to prove to be that much more tougher. And just real quickly, if I can read off some of the matchups that they'll have, Come well, while to- you look, I can say that they closed <laughs> the season out on a six-game road trip. And they start the second half of the season with a four-game road trip. They go Milwaukee, oh, Adam OKC, Silver loves us. Brooklyn, and then Philly. And then the beginning of May, uh, another tough stretch of games. And you mentioned that six-game road trip, Houston, Memphis, Denver, Phoenix, and both the Clippers and the Lakers. Uh, I mean, Coach Tibbs himself has said this is going to be a great test, and they're not shying away. Chris, this is my reasoning for thinking that uh, a lot of Knicks fans are wondering, all right, is this it? Are we going to fizzle out? I don't feel that way for the Knicks. And and just for a couple of reasons. One, you have Tibbs. And Tibbs is a guy who's battle-tested. You know, Fizdale had gone to the playoffs with Memphis, but not a guy who's oh, been there, done that. belong in the same yeah, sentence. Him, do you that. know, when you compare, don't I'm just that. saying, compared to last year's team <laughs> with Fizdale and Miller, you have two guys that weren't able to get the best out of their team. And when push came to shove and adversity came, those two guys could not lift this Knicks team up. But we've seen this season under Tibbs, when this team is under fire, when they're down late in games, they respond to Tibbs, and it's just a different fire, a, a different identity, you know, especially on the defensive end. So I think with Tibbs and the fact that the Eastern Conference, I'm saying it right now, the seventh and eighth seed, whoever finishes in those two seeds will be 500 or lower. It's just we're not going to see this conference give you eight teams, you know, five games over 500. I don't see it. So as long as that holds true, if you're telling me do the Knicks finish between seventh and tenth just to get into the play-in tournament – I have to think so. As long as those teams continue to play 
sub 500 basketball as long as the Knicks stay there at 500, as long as they don't deviate and go through a rough patch where they lose like two of 10, they're going to be right in the mix. And I think for Knicks fans, it doesn't matter because Knicks fans didn't think we were going to be at this point talking about them like this. Knicks fans thought they were going to be right at the bottom with Detroit. And who are we getting? Is it Jalen Suggs or Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State? So Chris, as a Knicks fan, what are your realistic expectations for this team going into the second half of the season? Well, Andrew, I, I think you you said it perfectly in terms of your two main points in regards to both the fight of the team uh, and, and why they'll hold up. And, and then, you know, you compared the previous coaches. Miller, I'm okay putting in the same sentence as Thibodeau. <laughs> I'm okay saying Tom Thibodeau is a much better NBA coach than Mike Miller. David Fisdale, they don't even – I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just want I can't to even put him in the sides. same sentence. It's just night and day. Fisdale, Fisdale's like, um, man, I'm trying to think of something comparable. Like you, you need a Fisdale in your locker room. Every, as NBA an assistant team, head coach, sure. Every yes. NBA team really yeah. does need, need a Fisdale. But <laughs> if that's who you got running things, man. I would um, say this, Chris, it's it's like that saying, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. So Fisdale is that guy. You want him on <laughs> your staff, but is he the guy who's going to lead you uh, long-term and get you a championship? Probably not. He's, he's good to have around for chemistry. It's yeah. why the Knicks hired Mike Woodson to their staff. Exactly. Um, you know, Woodson's not a, a, a Thibodeau bestie like Greer yeah. or Yoshimoto or, or any of those guys. But what he is is a culture guy. And, hmm. and that's why he's on, on the team. And to me, with this Knicks team, as you said it, they have the fight. Um, y- you have to shift the expectations just a little bit. However, I think, and I'm talking about from preseason, as you were saying, I think the shift is smaller um, than, than a lot of people are, are currently making it out to be. And I think you did a good job of portraying where they kind of stand. As a team, I, I think be, just because they were fourth in the East or fifth in the East, wherever mm-hmm. they may stand now, that's not representative of how good they actually are. Uh, th- there's a gap, and, and we know that, between those top teams and, and that next group. Now, is it impressive that the Knicks find themselves in that next group as opposed to at the bottom of the barrel? It's ridiculously impressive. It's Absolutely. incredibly impressive. However... It's also true that they're not up there in that upper echelon of Eastern teams. So it's that exact logic that I use to dissuade people from a Bradley Beal trade at the deadline Mm -hmm. or anything of the sort, because in my opinion, you're just not there yet. And trying to force yourself to be might buy you some time. If you think your job's on the hot seat, it's what Mills was trying to do. He was trying to put out D'Lo, Barrett, Morris, Randall, Drummond and buy himself a couple extra months. Um, I, I think the Knicks aren't there and they need to continue to be patient and they have things to work with. And I guarantee they're not drafting three rookies. You know, they have the two firsts and the oh, early yeah, for second. Sure. No, not they're going to consolidate. They're going to utilize their cap space. Mm-hmm. They're going to utilize the young players. I know they don't want to keep around like Kevin Knox. Yeah. He's on the outs. And, been out the rotation you can't at this point sell yourself on him being a part of the long-term core here and that's okay because we're at a point as a franchise now where that just doesn't matter anymore Mm -hmm. we can afford to not care because we we have the found money of our all-star 
and our potential rookie of the year and our potential coach of the year and all that, you know, so we don't have to care about things like, like Knox anymore, not, not working out, but um, you take some of those assets and you try to consolidate them into some guys, add them to the rotation. And I think the Knicks come back in future years, looking, looking better specifically 2023 and 2024 as when they start to really ramp things up, in my opinion. I think that's when that starts to – they really start revving that engine. For the rest of this season, I'm going to be modest, and I'm going to say that they're not going to maintain a top four or top five standing. I don't think six is out of the question, but my prediction is going to be either the seven or the eight seed yeah. falling in somewhere right there in a playoff spot, unfortunately, probably against a team that we might not have the best chance against in comparison to if we had a higher seed. Um, for example, I think the Knicks could, could give Boston a little bit of trouble, even if not a loss in the first round. But a team like Philadelphia, Embiid, man. No, he's <laughs> a matchup. Happen. And, and so you, you make up a I'm, good I'm going to be a little modest. And you bring a good point up. The Knicks are playing with house money right now. Everything they've done, they they don't have to make any trades if they don't want to. They're above 500 at the current moment, and they're on pace to get, you know, perhaps that seventh or eighth seed have to be in that play-in tournament and potentially get themselves against the Sixers or even the Nets. And how would a series like that be with the Nets and the Knicks now that they're letting fans back in? That would be absolutely phenomenal, and New York would be on fire for that. But, you know, at the end of the day, when – everything you've done and you've been able to invest and you have this, you're playing with house money. You don't have to make any moves now because as long as you keep building in this direction, a lot of guys who maybe are going to be disgruntled, maybe Carl Anthony Towns says, you know what? I'm done in Minnesota. Somebody like that or Bradley Beal says, you know what? I tried in Washington. I need to go elsewhere. I think from there, you're going to attract free agents and disgruntled stars to come and be a part of this franchise. I don't think you have to go out and mortgage the future to get one of those guys, because after this season, it's going to be abundantly clear that the Knicks are on the up and up, and they're going to be a franchise that players are going to look at and say, Hey, this is now a free agent destination. Right. And and if we are getting into this is one of my probably favorite NBA subjects, just team building philosophy. Yeah. Um, if we are going to get into that, I'm honestly okay with, with giving up a King's ransom for a young star type player. I'm just not okay doing it when you don't have any others. Exactly. Um, when, when you don't have one of those, one of those prospects that doesn't have trade value. Cause you know, they're just not getting moved. It's tough to justify giving up everything you've got to bring one in. Cause then that's all you're going to have. The Knicks just did it. Exactly. You know, just just because I was still wearing uh, khaki shorts and polo shirts as like an eight year old <laughs> walking around with my Velcro feelers when when it happened. When Melo doesn't mean it yep. does, doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It <laughs> happened, and I know it happened, and I don't want it to happen again. <laughs> um, I I I can't I can't sign on for it. I, I want the Knicks to keep building, and 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 keep finding a way to get better without giving up too much that matters to them, which is exactly what they did with the Derrick Rose trade, which is exactly what they did this off season. I want them to keep doing it. And then if you do happen to draft a star or develop RJ Barrett into a second real star for Randall, then go out and give up the whole farm for Devin Booker, the whole, everyone, everyone, 
OB, first rounders, pick swaps, gone. All I'm of it, you. gone. I'm with you. But okay. not until you're ready. Not until you're ready. No. Because if you force yourself into it, then you're working on a timeline that you didn't even really establish. And now you're trying to, now you're playing catch up. It's like, well, look at what the Timberwolves are doing right now. Yep. They traded for Russell. They, they traded for the wrong guy at a decent, you know, didn't that, it wasn't the wrong time, but it was the wrong guy. But you got to make they, the move. They rushed themselves into it and, and it's the wrong guy because it's Cat's friend. And now I'm telling you, Carl Anthony Towns is going to be out of there. You know, you can look at them and say when at less than two years, less than three years, he's going to want out because what the hell's going on? It's, it's, it's not winning. That's for sure. No, you're right. And again, I think you make a valid point. At the end of it, no need to make a hasty trade like that if it only leads you back to square one. And that second half of the season for the Knicks and the Nets will start on Thursday. The Knicks will travel to Milwaukee to meet Giannis, the All-Star Game MVP, and the Bucks. While the Celtics, excuse me, while the Nets will welcome in Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and the Boston Celtics on TNT. Before we get up out of here, though, Chris, uh, on our Saturday show for one-on-one, we did a mid-season awards type segment. So real quickly, can you rattle off to me your mid-season awards? I know you're somebody, you take a lot of great pride coming in and giving grades, giving awards out. I know you're ready for this. So can you give me your MVP, your defensive player of the year, most improved, your rookie of the year, six man, and your coach of the year? Absolutely. Um I, I'm not going to lie. Those, those seem like hard to answer questions. All of them mm. uh, at first, because the candidates come flying into my brain. And, and, <laughs> and I, I realize now, even though it is only mid season and we're working with the shortened season. So this is not the largest of sample sizes that, that I'm working off here. Um, but, but to go down, I, I think right now to stay true to what I thought about Philadelphia coming into the season, it would be a disservice to Joel Embiid to have anybody else as the most valuable player of the NBA right now. So I, I've got to have him up there based on, on what I thought Philly could do with his talent and the fact that it's actually happening. Um, Joel Embiid, I think he's the first center since Moses Malone. If he stays on, you know, he's on pace to have a 30 point per game season. Um, I think if it happens, he would be the first center since Moses Malone to do it. Now, I'm not a points guy. I'm not a points per game guy in terms of arguments. You're not going to see me tell you that one player is better than another just because he averages more points. But a, but an accomplishment of that size, just like the first center it, it, since 1980. What, what was that? 81, 82? Yeah. I, so so that, that's huge. And the Sixers are playing great. And Embiid's getting over 11 rebounds a night. And he's been a great defender. <laughs> and they are, they are, I believe, one in five when he doesn't play. Now, I know they're, they're not going to be good when they have their worst player out. But it just shows his impact. If you want to go from that angle as well, got to go with Embiid. Yeah, and I would say just because we're pressed on time here, roll me down from there. All right, so your MVP, Joel, who is your defensive player of the year? Gobert. Jazz are too good to say anyone else. And who is your sixth man of the year? I got to give it to him again. Clarkson. Yes, sir. All right, so who is your most improved player of the year? My guy, 30. Julius Randle, he went from hated, most hated to, or rather, how about this? He went from (laughs) dubious handles to all-star Julius Randle. That's a turnaround that's worthy of most improved player. 
And your rookie of the year, I, I have to think you're picking LaMelo Ball. I had him number one on my draft board. I have him number one on my rookie of the year ladder. It's the third son of the Ball family. I, I got to do it. And finally, I think I know where you're going here. You're coach of the year right now. Not to Utah, not to Salt Lake <laughs> City. I'm going to go down to Phoenix ah, because yeah. my guys, CP3 and Devin Booker, are having a great year. But that whole team has looked incredibly well put together, determined. They're going out. They're playing their own pace. They look smart defensively. Monty Williams, my coach of the year as of right now, even though I'd love to hand it to Tom Tibbs. Yeah, I gave my season, uh, my midseason awards on Saturday. For me, I'm with you, LaMelo, Rookie of the Year. Jordan Clarkson is the Sixth Man of the Year, Coach of the Year. I also have Monty Williams, but I'm with you. If the if the Knicks continue to hang around as a top five seed, Tibbs will be right there in the conversation. Got to be. Most improved, Julius Randle's there, but this was my argument. He has had, he's averaged over 20 a game, and he's had a double-double for a season. So we knew he was a top 10 type of pick. We know what his ceiling is. I'm going to go Jeremy Grant from Detroit only because he signed that $60 million contract and he's gone up from, what is it? Nine points per game career now averaging over 20, well over 20. So even though Detroit's not doing well for him, I think he's really played up to that contract amid the scrutiny that some people gave him defensive player of the year. I'm with you and Rudy. And this is where I'm going to do a disservice right now in the MVP, because I said it on Saturday and I'll say it now. That man, Damian Lillard, is an MVP. When you think of CJ, gone. Yusuf Nurkic, gone. Zach Collins, done for the year. Still averaging 30 and 8. They're a top, what, right now? Five right now? Five or six? They're still right there. They have no, they should be with Sacramento and New Orleans. No business being where they are at this point. Dame, he has really put this team on his back. And when you saw what he did there, an 11-0 run to finish the All-Star game, I think he is well on his way. And I have a bet with Kelly Bright. And Kelly, I hope you saw Damian Lillard because the Trailblazers are going to finish with a better record than the Sixers. I'm still counting on it. And hopefully Dame gets me that Starbucks on our friendly wager there. I have to do a disservice, but but Chris... Damian Lillard, to me, when you consider the hand that Portland has been dealt to still be a, a top five team in the West, I think that says a lot as far as the most valuable player is concerned. Joel Embiid is right there. He may very well win it. I have him second. But but for Dame right now, for what he's done, that team has it. no business. So I have to give it to Dame right now. This play speaks for itself. I get it, man. I, I can't I can't I can't knock it. all right well let's close it on that then chris your first time your first debut goes well i I think you're gonna do good moving forward in these picking pods my friend Uh, a pleasure hosting with you for chris i am andrew telling all hoops fans enjoy the next couple of days off and enjoy the second half of this season should be a doozy Pickin' Pod is a production of WFUV Sports. Until next time, see you guys later.